And I was like, wow, this is one of those things as an actor, like I, you know, I imagine that man on the set was like, I never, this is a place I never thought I'd be in my life. Right. Like licking fake licking blood, blood off of a bathroom floor. Yeah. At but a holiday par- New Year's party. Yeah. yeah. But, and here, but here we are. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Hello, everybody. Happy uh, just past Day of the Dead, uh, and welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I am yeah. Julia. I am Terry Dio de los Muertos Gamble. Uh, <laughs> happy to see you guys, or hear you, or wait, be here. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are talking about 1993's Kronos, Kronos. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the directorial and written debut of Guillermo del Toro. The title of this episode is Who Are You, A God? And the tagline for this movie an ancient device, a modern discovery, a terrifying tale of the eternal. Ooh, bum, bum, bum. So how about yeah. this for a fucking debut, huh? This is a wild first movie, and I get why he would go on to make so many more. It is intense, and there's so many different elements and technical things that I was just like, this is a lot of movie for a debut film. Nice work, Guillermo Yeah, because you're he take, taking on, you know... Uh, a, a multiple periods that you have to go through mm-hmm. uh, time-wise in the film. So you're like a period piece plus has a lot of mechanics going on and plus it's also like kind of a grand scale uh, but also very stylish and very original. Uh, yeah, you can see why uh, people saw this and were like, oh yes, this man, please hire him a lot. And they did and we are very thankful to that. Absolutely. Uh, so it opens on uh, in 1536 with an alchemist who is fleeing Inquisition to Mexico. Yeah. And he has discovered the key to eternal life, which uh, he puts into a device called the Kronos device, which is like a very clockwork. Like, scarab uh, beetle looking thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's got like a little pincers kind of in it but we find out later it's run by like a little maybe bug inside that can go on forever but it also might need something to feed so we'll find out about that too yes so they we then find out that there there was a building that uh there was a collapse in a building and they found this man uh in 1937 so 1536 to 1937 um and the building collapses and this man has this weird like marble like white skin um but he seems to be killed by debris and people weren't sure why he was able to be around um and and they find in his apartment uh like pans of blood that are all set out full of blood and there's a human body there that's being drained upside down uh so uh we're like okay we got a mummified like 400 year old mummified dude who's been living up blood for in like this secret disgusting basement apartment for 40 years but in the first five minutes of the movie here we go yay (laughs) 
Uh, and then we flash to in the present. We meet this really sweet old antique dealer, Jesus Gris, mm-hmm. um, or Gray Jesus. Uh, and uh, he notices, like, at the base of this archangel statue that he has in his little shop. Um, there might be something in there. So he's a sweet antique dealer. He's got a lovely little granddaughter, Aurora, who likes to hang out with him. And um, he's got this wife who seems a little, like, annoyed with him sometimes. Um, she's a fabulous like tango instructor who I love. They seem a little instra- estranged, just a little bit, uh, yeah. but it's it's a very uh, beautiful relationship. You know, you you get right away that the grandfather granddaughter have this very strong bond. Adorable. And then this kind of movie, I'm like, oh, this is going to go horribly wrong, <laughs> right? You're like this this bond is going to be tested because yeah. whatever's happening with his wife, it doesn't really matter. But this little girl, I was like, what's going to happen to the girl? I was already worried from the very moment I saw her sweet little face. And their cute little interactions over like their breakfast table. Um, and she doesn't she doesn't talk at all. So we're getting a lot of just kind of her her facial expressions. Uh, this this film does take place around Christmas, uh, which is exciting. To you can add this to your Christmas list as well as Deus Reales Mortis. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's uh, multi purpose. So they have the statue of this archangel that. Um, there so ron perlman who shows up as uh angel de la guardia who is the nephew of de la guardia who uh he is on this racket of trying to find this statue this angel statue so he has this enormous enterprise of people like all around the world trying to find this specific statue but they keep coming up with with uh reproductions yeah, or just like some that are close to it, but not quite exactly that thing. Um, and so he's been tipped off that this might be the actual real thing. But before he actually gets to the shop, um, our little Jesus Gris um, actually discovers that there's something inside there. And he pulls it out, and it's that little Kronos device that we saw from the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he tucks it away because it's a thing inside of a thing. So he's just like this, this as an antique dealer, you want to look at everything. So he wants to examine it um, a little later on. And as he goes to, I know I go as he goes to, yes. So um, yeah, he goes to examine it and he discovers though, you know, it's got a little like kind of white, it's like a little wind up toy. And he's like, Oh, he tries to wind it up. Cause you know, as you do when you're looking at old timey things, Mm -hmm. um, he winds it up and little girls there too. And and he's like, "Uh Oh, you see the little pincers come out. And then all of a sudden it takes out like a chunk of the palm of his hand. Yeah. It's bad. It's It's uh, brutal. It just like it latches onto his hand with its like mechanical claws and won't come off. And that's not a good thing. Um, and and the he's little girl freaks out, of course, too. Like, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he's like, you're putting on a brave face. But his hand looks disgusting. And I, lo- I love that he's like such a it, it, I feel like this is the kind of thing that like if you've been married for such a long time and like all you do know is like you get hurt, you go to your wife and like that's all he knows to do. And so he just shows up at her tango class with his hand all bloody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 and she she pulls out there's actually uh something that was stuck inside of his hand which is a little bit of the tip of one of the pinchers of the claws that had broken off inside of his hand mm-hmm. um which is not good and you also have to realize like if she had not pulled that out that also would have been in his hand which is probably what was the and it's like a stinger basically mm-hmm. so he's like oh is he poisoned now yeah i, I wasn't sure if there was like venom inside the, the thing or what was in, actually inside of it you just know that it's taken a piece of him somehow, though, because that chunk now is gone into that the 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 Chronos device. Yes. So is whatever inside of that did it need that 
to like reactivate itself is what I was wondering. Yes. And so he starts to get like in the middle of the night, he gets up and he's really itchy and like he can't stop itching his hand. And he, it, it's, it's hot it's, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's this kind of like junky feeling of withdrawal almost like he needs he needs it again because if he gets if he just has it on his hand again, all the itching will go away. Yeah, um, and it's wild, but he also looks a little different too. Like he's already starting to look a little bit younger, mm-hmm. and his skin is already starting to turn a little bit as he's like itching and everything. But he goes ahead and he finds that thing again, and he puts it. Is this when he puts it over his heart, or does he? Do no, he puts it on his palm, and then it pierces his wrist. Yeah, um, and that, and so it, he's you know gets this very beatific look on his face, like it's it feels amazing. Like he's getting taken this kind of like shot of heroin, uh, but looks up and the little girl Aurora is there watching him, so she's seen everything and she even though she's not said anything she knows exactly what's going on and she starts you get that she's worried you see her little face and she's just like what is grandpa doing and she is not happy about this little thing that he's doing again um and i think it's a i think guillermo does a lot of like little girls little kids seeing things they should not see (laughs) i know i was just like this is peak del toro as far as that's concerned like that's we just recently rewatched pan's labyrinth i think too and it was just like oh yeah these little kids see some terrible things this is no exception to that but this is i think the first uh scene where you really kind of realize something is happening is uh jesus gets up in the mirror and is like practicing how to say good morning in the morning to sound normal to look normal because he also looks he realizes he's looking younger so he decides to shave his mustache so he could like kind of be like oh i shaved my mustache that's why i look younger Mm -hmm. versus like no my skin is actually like tightening like i look like i had a little bitty facelift like i look good like he's feeling like vibrant and he looks like he's feeling like that vigor like that young man's like sexuality because his wife she's a tango and so you see that she was actually kind of more in that still in that vibe of her life where he was very much like in like just happy to be the sweet grandpa but all of a sudden he looks like he is ready to like tango with her but it's also, it seemed to me, like trying to put on a human face, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was saying, he was practicing saying something as if he was his normal self. And I was like, oh, I don't, because, you know, you don't, I don't, you know, I've never seen this before. I don't know what's happening. I was like, is he possessed? Mm-hmm. Is this thing taking him over? Is it like not him anymore? Um, and like, how far is that going to go? Uh, so he goes back to his antique store um, and it is trashed. They yeah. have destroyed everything. So you get that probably is like Ron Perlman as like the henchman, the the uh, angel and hell angel of the guard, uh, De La Guardia um, is gone through. I love the literal names. I have to stop and talk about that because the names that come up throughout this movie are so very much remind me of like the movie The Lion King, where it's like Mufasa just means like king or whatever, and lion, Simba means lion, and Rafiki literally means friend. So it feels very much like that mm-hmm. as far as the naming of these people. So every every name is kind of a clue and, um, as we're getting that too. And also how great it is that Ron Perlman just speaks English to everybody and then they speak Spanish back to him (laughs) how great was that I thought that was so fun because it also I think feeds his frustration because he's like trying to like get stuff done but he doesn't always understand why or what's happening Mm -hmm. and I think because of that language discrepancy it it makes it more plausible like oh yeah he wouldn't know like why would he know the difference between some of these things it's so funny but he trashed but, the joint. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Jesus has got scuts, though, because he immediately just goes straight to LaGuardia and is like, what is the deal? What is the deal here? Like, like why just... do you need this angel? So he comes with the little box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, he's just going to bring it right to them. Okay. He's just going to get rid of the thing. Well, all right. That's one way to do it. And so he has this conversation with De La Guardia, who is dying um, in this very uh, cinematic sick room. 
It's very cinematic sick room. It looks like um it reminded me like a very like kind of Howard Hughesy a little bit. Yes. Because it looks like he's saving like all his like fluids and like his anything that's come off his body or whatever too. Yeah, he said he's had a bunch of surgeries and he keeps all of his all organs his in jars, which is pretty gnarly. And then so he starts to explain about like what exactly is it he's looking for. He's looking for this Kronos device and it's this eternal life. Uh and he has this ancient text um that I feel like he was a little flippant with, to be honest, because he was just kind of like hand it over and let like because it's always like when you have these ancient manuscripts like you have to do with with the gloves and like you can't really touch these things and he was just kind of manhandling it that's a very geeky thing to notice um, i think that i think it's because he's got it committed to memory and yeah, i think he already had pulled pages so i think he just did that because he was like mm, um just like proof that i have it but he didn't i think he honestly doesn't need even, even anymore yeah but it is uh, it's written backwards and in latin which is mm -hmm. pretty cool. Uh, and it says they're supposed to prolong life, uh, but there's very strict rules about the usage, uh, but doesn't say what, of course. Um, and uh, we don't ever, we don't ever find out what those rules are. No, we don't ever get the rules, <laughs> but we get that they're probably been broken as things yes. continue on and that it's not, he's not doing it right. But um, it turns out like um, Jesus Gris gets out of there um, and by, but he leaves uh, an empty box or not an empty, but it leaves basically a decoy box. He thought they thought he had brought the angel. He had not. And um, De La Guardia is like very convinced. He's like, oh, that guy's definitely using the thing. Yes. Uh, and we got to get it. <laughs> and so when he comes home, uh, Jesus comes home and of course wants to go straight to the Kronos uh, and can't find it. And Aurora has hidden it inside of her teddy bear. Um, mm -hmm. because she knows that he's like a little junkie and she wants to help him out. Um, and, and so of course, uh, as soon as she's gone, he goes and takes it. And this is when he puts it right on his heart and just lets it sink on in. Yeah. And so they're getting ready. He also is get, getting ready for a party that night. Mm -hmm. Um, it's new year's now it looks like. And so he's supposed to take his wife out on the town and the, and the little girl too, they go to this big, you know, kind of like fancy dress, fancy party. Um, and, but he, he's like, like she said, he's a junkie and he's like saying a prayer kind of while he's got it on his heart and like very into it. And like the, his wife, Mercedes is like knocking at the bathroom door, like, Hey, like what is going on? What are you doing in there? And he's like, Oh, I'm just getting ready. Like, uh, like you're like, Oh my God, no. Like you're literally. <laughs> yeah. And this is when he says the line, this is our title episode where he says, who are you? A God? You're very good to me. Like, uh, are you good to me though? Are you um, saying this to the Kronos? Yes. It's like, I don't know because there's like a little, cause we, this is where he found out from day, the Guardia right before that there was actually, there's actually like a little ancient like worm or bug that lives inside of it. Mm -hmm. And so now he's kind of like talking to that bug inside there that it's got he's got to feed it it wants mm -hmm. blood so he goes uh to the dance he goes to this party and he sees uh that there's a guy who's having a nosebleed uh and he goes into the bathroom with this bloody follows them into the bathroom napkin yeah. over his um and jesus uh gets is getting real turned on by that blood looking looking real good and so he's he looks thirsty <laughs> yeah and there's some of it on the sink and he goes to like he's just about to lick it up when this guy comes in and like wipes, wipes it all it off and he's like no you can see in his face no it's on the edge of the sink and stuff but there's a little bit on the floor so after that guy leaves he gets down on the floor and as he's about to lick it up <laughs> yeah uh yeah so we do we do get a, a little bit of him and i was like wow this is a one of those things as an actor, like I, you know, I imagine that man on the set was like, I never, this is a place I never thought I'd be in my life. Right. Like licking fake licking blood, blood off of a bathroom floor. Yeah. At, at a holiday a, new year's party. Yeah. yeah. But, and here, but here we are. Uh, but he ends up getting uh, kicked in the head and dragged out and it's uh, Ron Perlman. 
Angel. Um, mm-hmm. who ends up beating him like so he takes him out uh to like a deserted place and starts beating him up but is also kind of like hanging out with him while he's doing it and talking to him and like laying on him and laughing i was like this is a special kind of psycho and i'm kind of enjoying it yeah he really is a very strange henchman i think like you said too he's like he doesn't understand what that all the stuff does anyway either like his uncle's only told him so much he doesn't seem to understand like what is going on either. So he's just asking questions and it is very awkward. It's almost like they're like at a makeout point though. Like the place that he's driven. Him yeah. Up to. Yeah. I was it's, thinking like Mulholland drive, like that kind of yeah. thing where you look at like a lover's lover's lookout, a lover's lookout. And I was like, this is very strange. You get that this guy does not have any friends. Yeah. And I think it's this kind of, uh, you know, he had, he feels this freedom that he can kind of say anything because the guy can't understand him. And he can, and so like the guy, and the guy can plead for his life or whatever as much as he wants, but he can't understand him anyway. So like it's this kind of freedom on both ends to say whatever you like, which is an interesting uh, thing since uh, neither one of them are t- particularly free. Uh, no, they're both very, very indebted to, to something. Um, Angel is very indebted to his uncle, um, Theodore de la Guardia, and just like kind of lives lives for anything he, he says. Um, so and, uh, Rob, Ron Perlman ends up uh, knocking him out, uh, knocking out Jesus and putting him into the car, which he then uh, pushes over the cliff and uh, this big cliff. And Jesus wakes up just as it's going over, of course. Um, and his hands are tied behind his back as he goes over as well. So it's a, an incredibly gnarly crash. Uh, and then they, when they cut to him all mangled, uh, he's still alive. And you're like, oh, no, this is how immortality goes terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, totally. You're like, uh. Sounded that- good until... When you asked for forever, but you didn't know what the quality of life for forever was going to be. I think this is the reality check right here. Yeah. And so this movie has already been pretty insane and it's about to go off the goddamn rails uh, here. So we get to uh, the the morgue where his body Mm -hmm. is now there getting ready for his funeral and we just like this close-up of the mortician sewing his mouth shut oh yeah which... i just i just got like i'd right now i was just honestly that was like viscerally just thinking about it and i just Ugh. the sound of it of like his lip getting sewn and no. like that's his top anyway because i was just like oh this is how they hold their faces because like yeah people are like slack jawed or whatever yeah. depending on how they die yeah and that's something i i never thought about till this movie so really thank you. did but you never see wait did you never see the madonna video the um the oh father madonna video where they have like she goes to her mother's funeral and they have her lips on together i I saw that when i was like 11 or whatever i was like jesus fucking christ so no i did not ever i don't ever think i've seen that okay and so and if i did i blocked it out of my memory if i did okay um because i was just like oh yeah that makes total sense like how else would you do that and especially since he was like mangled yeah he does his best to like put makeup on him he looks kind of bad um (laughs) because he was like such a brutal death yeah i love the casket anyway Yes, yeah, so this mortician is one of my favorite characters in this movie because he's just the most like doesn't give a fuck kind of like he's just has like cigarette in his mouth. He's like stapling the skull. He puts like silly putty on his forehead. It looks terrible. And it's just kind of whatever. Slapdash, um, man. Slapdash. Uh, so there's just this kind of uh, so they go to the funeral. Ron Perlman goes to the funeral just to like make sure that he's really dead. Mm-hmm. Got to like is he- they're also still looking for the device because he didn't have it yet still. So because his uncle was pissed when he came back, he's like, you killed him? Like, 
that's awful. But also like, where's my Kronos? Yeah. Like, that's what I really needed. Like, I get that you did that, but now how am I supposed to find this device? So he's like, you got to go there and figure it out. A, make sure he's dead and then B, get this thing. So he's there kind of like as like a snoop um, at this at this funeral. Yeah. Uh, I love that he puts his gum wrapper in his pocket, which is so ghetto. And then uh, he like, put, like holds his nose to make sure that he's actually really dead. Uh, but then we find out that he's supposed to be cremated. So that's gonna be a problem. Uh, but he uh, is he able to have the money. Yeah, yeah, he's able to sneak out at the very last second, uh, and is not fried, thankfully. But of course, right as he goes in, then they're coming in looking for his body, and uh, he's he's been cremated. The box has been cremated. So Jesus Reese has has made it out of the morgue. Um, still alive, but now he's all stitched up and looking crazy. Uh, and this also, this like, is thirsty, I think too, right? Uh, Yes. And this is, um, I don't, I'm pretty hardcore. I don't look away in horror movies very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one, maybe I was just like, I had to cover my ears and turn away, uh, which is where, uh, he steps on a broken shard of glass in his bare feet and takes out this giant bloody shard of glass (laughs) and uses it to cut the string that they had sewn his mouth shut with. (laughs) And I was, it was hands and ear over ears and eyes. I was like, nope, mm-mm. Uh, nope, that's nope, funny. nope. I was like, okay with it. That's so weird. Um, yeah, uh, it was, it's pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. But I honestly, I couldn't look away because it was just like, oh my gosh, he's going to use it for that. Watching him step on the shard though. I like had a flashback, like in college, I like, I'm, I stepped on a nail that was up on a stage once. Oh, and I definitely had a visceral reaction with my feet feeling that like what that's like to step on something that sharp in your foot. Ugh, anyhow. Ugh. So uh, he finds his own obituary in the trash and then tries to call home, but his wife hangs up because he's dead. He's like, Mercedes, you know, from the dead. You're like, uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, you don't want that call. No. You know, after you've just gone to the funeral and know that he's been cremated. Um, so he starts noticing his, his body's a little different now that he's been uh, murdered and come back. Um, he notices that his skin is kind of burning and things are happening as he ends up finding, um, and visiting his house and Aurora, uh, up at her like little hideout that she's got. Mm -hmm. Um, and he stays up there and she helps him. Yeah, she um, makes she makes him like a little bed in her toy trunk because now he's got sunlight burns him now, so he can't be in the sun. So he's got this like little coffin he can sleep in, uh, and his like tongue is all black. Uh, he looks like he's uh, de- decomposing quite quickly. Uh, and his skin is like yeah, his skin's changing color. Like he's so, looking more and more gray. Jesus Christ, gray Jesus. So he decides to go to the factory and doesn't realize that Aurora had followed him there. Um, And he wants to go in to steal the rule book as a a good idea, perhaps. (laughs) Learn the rules. Yeah, and figure out like what he's done wrong and kind of try to fix it. Um, But it's not a good good little moment because they end up running into Angel Mm -hmm. um, as well. But he has a face-off, basically, with uh, with Dieter de la, de la Guardia um, about this. Mm-hmm. A, a literal face-off, in fact, uh, because he starts uh, ripping off Jesus' face and says that the, the skin underneath is reborn. It's new skin. He is shedding this dead skin and will be become new again. So it looks kind of marbly like the guy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you're getting like, that's how that face turns into that weird looking stone marble face is you have to shed the old skin like a little, uh, like an animal or like a, like, you know, like a snake or some sort of little beetle or whatever that has to shed. It's like little shell. 
so that he but he's missing blood and obviously he needs blood to survive to become uh full again um and they end up having this incredible old man fight yeah uh, where you know what you have one who's in his 90s and dying and one who's already dead uh but they're both gonna like fucking give it their all um really something um and they end up uh they're Aurora like, and yeah, thank goodness Aurora's there to help though. Yes, because <laughs> she actually is the one who it beats Dieter like basically like across the head and like knocks him out, um, and helps save her grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so uh, and Jesus ends up like biting Angel and drinking his blood while Aurora is watching. Again, <laughs> now this poor girl, so fucked up. She's seen a lot. She's seen a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, Ron Ron Perlman ends up coming up and he finds his uh, uncle's body. Uh, and at first is the moment of shock. And then he just starts laughing. And it's just like starts dancing around like mine, 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 mine. <laughs> He's like, ding dong, the witch is dead. And I get this empire now. He's been waiting, I think, for this uncle to die. Um, this is why he came to visit from America. You know what I mean? That'll like take over this factory or whatever. Uh, but then he sees that he's actually not quite dead, eh, but he can fix that. So just breaks his neck with his foot. You're like, okay, there we are. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, so then we have this uh, rooftop chase between uh, Angel and Jesus. Which reminded me of Annie for some reason when they got on the ladders and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah, so beautiful in, mm-hmm. in front of this big clock because, you know, this movie's all about time and lights. Yeah, it's all lit up like a big marquee. And uh, Ron Perlman has a lead pipe that he is uh, beating him with, uh, which is not looking. And it's that thing where, like, you're not ever going to kill him. You're just going to break everything. And so, like, he how much pain he feels is unclear, I would say, because he can take that shard of glass out of his foot and, like, no problem. He's probably, like, the dead, like, dead, like, it'd be like the zombie, right? Where, like, your legs would be broken and you wouldn't feel anything, but you couldn't really use them. Right. Um, but he ends up, uh, t- Jesus, like, they end up like kind of tumbling towards the edge. Um, and Jesus uh, says that he's going to take him over with him. He says, you have more to lose. It's just for me, it's just pain. So he, right. uh, he can take him down and, and fall, but he's not going to die. Yeah. So he pulls him off the roof and Aurora is able to be saved because that was his main impetus in that moment. Um, but as they, um, she climbs down the ladder to where they've fallen, um, she finds Gris, uh, Gris, uh, Jesus, her grandfather unconscious, but she, knowing what the device can do now, uses the device to help wake him up mm-hmm. and noticing that her hand is bleeding. Gris, you can see in a moment in his eye, he looks like he wants to feed off of her, mm-hmm. but he like controls himself. Yeah. Cause and- she, 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 the, the only word she says in this whole movie is grandfather, um, which mm-hmm. is where she like she wants him. She's offering it to him. It's like she mm-hmm. wants to save him, but he he can't do it. So uh, destroys it. Destroys it. He's got to destroy the Chronos. So he does that, even though he knew, um, despite previous warnings from Dieter. Dieter told him basically like um, De La Guardia was like, "Hey, if you destroy it, you're dead. Like yeah. because you've partaken with it now. Like it's it's you're connected. Like you're one and the same. So if the Chronos goes, you go." But he turns out that he's lying, actually, because uh, mm-hmm. the next time we see uh, poor Jesus, he's in bed, but he's all in the new flesh, this marbled white flesh with his family around him. So it is kind of a happy ending. 
yeah, maybe, and he thinks maybe God maybe saved him. I don't know, maybe because he helped save his granddaughter. Who knows? Uh, yeah, um, or maybe yeah. just uh, the, the De La Guardia didn't know the, all the rules. Maybe uh, there was something else going on. That there That is that kind of like nerd part of me that is is teased by rules and then I never get those rules. And I'm like, come on, mm-hmm. what are the rules? Like it's like gremlins, right? Like you have to know the rules to know what's like what the ball game you're playing in. But right. it's fun to leave it a mystery as well. Right. And then we're also not sure what will happen when the sun rises, you know, the next morning. Like yeah. who knows what will happen to him if he can take it or or what. So new what day. A cool movie. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this film and uh, was I was, you know, I, of course I knew it would be great because Guillermo del Toro is great, but to be, uh, to go this hard on your first film is the way to go. Well done. Right, right. Um, so gore factor for this movie. One is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup Two, a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer Four, a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. This is definitely a five run for the barf bag. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Once you peel somebody's skin off their face, I feel like that counts. <laughs> Well, I mean, the first, like, within the first, you know, three minutes, you have a dead body hanging upside down being blood dry with oh, yeah, the all the blood and then the bucket bloods. of bloods. Yeah, and all the, like, buckets and buckets and bowls of blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, I think that counts for at least a bathtub there. Um, so, and movie ratings. One, uh, Chainsaw If You're Desperate. Two, Barely Qualifies as a Horror Movie. Three, Seen Worse, Seen Better. Four, Not Too Shabby. Five, Fantastic Oracle. Um, I give this film, I think I give this film a five. I really liked it. Yeah, I did too. This would be an all-around five for us then. Ding, ding, oh, ding. Yeah, I can't. I ain't mad at this movie. Yeah, it, it, ma- it made me uh, even a hardened horror hound put my hands over my ears and turn my face away. So that's saying a lot. Well and done. We really like the relationships um, and the and the play on that and like the question of mortality. I thought it was a really interesting way to approach it. Um, you know, as, as you look back on your life, what's important to you, Mm -hmm. um, and really facing that, I think head on in this film. So, yeah. So thank you so much for listening to us talk about Kronos. We hope that this will help you celebrate uh, Day of the Dead. And we are always on our uh, social media, on our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. And uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, please do subscribe if you care to support us. Um, so, independent media, yay! Yeah, some independent <laughs> creators, some lady pot squad, that's us. Uh, so we have some exciting interviews coming up for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be taking a break from some, some movies to talk to you, but there will be movies involved. Uh, uh, so next week you can you'll be hearing us talk to Thomas Lank, who you know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and many more things. Uh, we'll be talking to him and about the film Cabin in the Woods, which he's yeah. also in. For sure, super pumped, super pumped to talk with Tom. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. um, and Terry uh, and Tom go back uh, quite a ways. They're good friends, so that's very exciting. Uh, then after that, we will be talking to drumroll, please. Keith, Keith Gordon. We're getting, we're, Do you yes. like him? Do you even like him? <laughs> As Julia is like, I can feel you beaming across. Like, yeah, all you have to do is, right all I have to do is say his name, and I just go. Yeah, uh, I feel you blush. I feel you blush. Yeah, I am. I am. My face gets hot. <laughs> so we're. I. Uh, you will hear us talk to him. He's so amazing, and he's so incredibly nice, and we're so excited for you to hear his interview. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll be back with uh, another movie, of course. A movie that neither of us has seen. Of course, I have heard so much about, and I am a little bit terrified to watch, but also very excited to watch uh, Takashi Miike's audition. Uh, so I am ready for some brutality. Dun, 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 dun. 
I think it's going to be super brutal. It looks wild. Um, so it's been recommended, for, I think, quite a few times for people, too. So we love your recommendations again. Keep them coming. We're getting we're getting through them. We're getting to them. More to come uh, each week. Thank you guys so much. You have a wonderful week. Indeed. 